Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a fantastic guest today with us. Our guest has helped thousands of people for good with some very special talents. She is the coach's coach, (laughs) and we're going to learn a lot about coaching today. Welcome, Dr. Sharon Livingston. Oh, thank you, Steve. I'm delighted to be here. Well, thanks. And before we get started in our visit today, I'd like to tell our listeners a little about your background, and I know that more will come out uh, during our visit, Uh, but she has helped scores of people to be successful. Uh, She's the president of the International Coach Certification Alliance, as well as an author, a hypnotist, uh, a hypnotist, uh, hypnotist, how do you say that? I'm a hypnotherapist. Oh, well, okay, hypnotherapist. I can't even say it. That shows how much talent I have in that area. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll work with you. You'll be fine. <laughs> That's great. And a business coach. <laughs> she sold more than $30 million in consulting to Fortune 500 companies. Dr. Livingston has supervised hundreds of coaching students, helping them develop their coaching skills choose a niche, and build their practice from scratch. So here we go. This is going to be, you're going to be a guest unlike any we've had before. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm now I can't even stand myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, let's just, as we get going today, uh, tell us a little about your life growing up and and maybe what experiences helped you see that you could be successful and, and even maybe some crossroads that help you get to where you are today? Oh, you know, it's such an interesting question, isn't it? How we become who we become. And I was brought up in a, you know, a hardworking, lower class family where my parents had a store and it was hand to mouth. I went to work at the age of 11, and the reason I went to work so early, in part, was because I missed my mother, and I wanted to be near her. When I was really little, the only time I got to talk to her was when she was ironing. She would come home to iron. I had three big brothers and a dad, and she'd be ironing lots and lots of shirts. And while she was ironing, (laughs) I got to talk to her. And so... That's how I started my people skills is because I learned at a very young age that unless I asked her the correct questions, I, she wouldn't talk to me. She'd be too busy. So if I said, Mommy, tell me about me when I was a baby and there I was three years old, she'd go, oh, you were cute. But if I said, Mommy, what was it like when you were a little girl living in Czechoslovakia? Then I'd get these long stories, long stories. So... 
that's one of the things that crafted my wanting to learn about other people because it was a way of, of getting attention, right? Um, and I worked at my parents' store and I worked hard, hard hours. Um, so I've always had a hard work ethic. And So what kind I, of store was it? It was a grocery store. Ah, okay. It was a grocery store, and they had fresh bakery that came in from the baker. My parents actually baked some of it, and they had cooked foods. And when I was 12, I was uh, cooking onions. I was frying onions for the, you know, for the potato salad and for these different dishes that they made. And I would come out, and my tears streaming down my face, (laughs) my eyes all red. And I'd look at the customers, and i go, my daddy beats me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Oh, things have changed so much. Things have changed so much in our society today where frequently young people do not have that opportunity to learn those kind of ethics. So that's a gift that your parents gave you. You know, I 100% agree with you. And I think that it's a disservice to kids to make it too easy for them. And... You know, parents want to be so loving and caring, but it really isn't because then they don't know what to do with themselves when they become adults. Yeah, how true. I, and I agree. It, go ahead. And even in today's world, uh, that you know, parents can set up a work schedule for, for their children of doing chores and other things that uh, help them learn those skills. So we may not have the grocery stores to go work in with our parents, but and some may, but uh, overall, we have to create that opportunity. Absolutely. And from, from the time I was a real little girl, I was responsible for doing things. You know, uh, I can remember being like six years old and I had a toothbrush and a bar of soap and I would do the grout between the tiles because <laughs> I was little and I could get into it. And I did the grout between the tiles and it looked so good when I was done. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, well, how about the crossroads? As you think about big-time transitions in your life, what helped you get to where you are today? So at one point, I I was out of college, and I took a job um, working um, in a small marketing research company. They did what was called validation and what they did was they call we'd have to call people and say were you actually interviewed about soap bubbles last week and did you answer this question this question this question it was to be sure it happened because when I first started it wasn't computerized so you didn't have absolute validation that somebody filled out the questionnaire that they handed in they could have just done it on their own mm-hmm. so there were, we, we were a company that did that and I started learning about research and I was still in school and at one point after I was working for a company called Warner Lambert I decided I was going to go out on my own and I was going to be running focus groups and it was a lot of nerve. It was a lot of guts to go out and do it because I, I wasn't making very much money, but I, I had the idea that I could do this. And I announced to the world that I was doing that so that I could go and finish my PhD, actually. And I went around telling people, you know what? I can do this because 
I know how to inspire people and um, I would love to help you. Uh, and people started calling me. I just went out and told people that I was good at something and I could help them. And that first year, I billed $67,000, which was a lot of money, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> so, so that was terrific. But, but it was a big deal to get up the courage to say, okay, I'm going to go work on my own. And it was before I had the recognition that I'd always been an entrepreneur and I come from an entrepreneurial family. Everyone in my family was, a, you know, my brothers are doctors, cousins were doctors and lawyers. My parents worked for themselves. I was the only person who kind of started in a corporation with this Warner Lambert. I, you know, it was only for a couple of years, but isn't that amazing that it, without even knowing it, I knew it intuitively that I belonged on my own. Oh, absolutely. And I just love the impact of big, bold, wonderful ideas and dreams that come along. And we just have this feeling, this hunch. And as we think about it, it starts getting affirmed and it, away we go. And it takes, right. us, takes us into many times a very wonderful direction. You know, you don't just jump into the pond without knowing how deep it is. But So I know you gave it some real thought, but it's that idea that said to you, I, I think I can do this. I knew I could do it. Why did I, one of the reasons <laughs> I, I did, I just knew I could do it. My mother, she had many faults. I have to tell you, she wasn't the easiest mother. But she always told me I could be whatever I wanted to be. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I believed her. I, I believed her. So I would go out and say, I want to do this, and I'd do it. And to this day, I still do that. Well, that's a great gift. Great gift. Well, now, Sharon, what's been the biggest challenge that you've had in life, whether in your personal life or business life, and how did you handle it? So the book that I wrote, Get Lost Girlfriend, How I Found Myself When My Best Friend Dumped Me, that <laughs> was a major challenge. It was a personal challenge, but it was also a challenge wearing my own psychology hat, so uh, I, I was very friendly with this person. I knew from fairly early on it was risky, but I thought, oh, man, I can handle it. I'm a psychologist. I know how to do this, right? And, of course, when it comes to matters of the heart, doesn't matter what your training is, you, you can't you know, protect yourself from heartbreak. And I was shattered. I was so heartbroken that after two years of being very close friends, this woman told me she was not interested in being my friend, period. That was it. It was done. And I went through a whole bunch of steps as I got to a place where I could finally start laughing again and not accusing myself anymore and not feeling guilty and not w watching my iPhone every five seconds to see if there was a text from her. But in that process, I didn't try to replace her. I didn't try to find some other friend. Uh, instead, I started taking care of myself and asking me, well, what do we want to do today? You know, what can we do together? Took my dogs for walks. I, I would photograph uh, foliage. I went and did art. Uh, I listened to music. I listened to great books. And somehow I started feeling really wonderful just with me. Mm -hmm. And of course, I continued doing my work. And my work was always very fulfilling. Uh, but... 
I came out reclaiming my soul and my heart. And in the process of doing that, all of a sudden, all these friends were coming out of the woodwork. I wasn't even in the market for a best friend again. And something transformed where my lack of being needy made me desirable to a whole bunch of really wonderful people. And I have many friends now. So um, it was a real transition that was painful and then really satisfying and gratifying both. So, and joyful. Well, how interesting. That's got to be, you know, people I think just don't think about this, that somebody may just ditch them, just reject them. And it could happen suddenly. Well, yeah. (laughs) And, And, you know, sometimes it's like you're walking down the street and a piano falls on your head and you didn't even do anything. (laughs) And that can happen. And I'm not saying I I had no part in it all. I was probably too needy. It was probably too much. Wanting her to like me no matter what and starting to be more of a therapist than I was a friend. So I had made her too important. No, I think that's a I'm so glad that you mentioned this experience um, because uh, the to go through that and the shock and then to have to discover how you can be happy. And yep. and and uh, it, th- that is liberating. And, and that actually then strengthens your relationships in turn, helps you understand it better. Well, what a thank you for sharing that. And you've thank written you. and you've written a book on that. Yep. It's called Get Lost Girlfriend. How I found <laughs> myself when my best friend dumped me. Oh, that's great. Well, I bet it applies in a lot of different relationships. And so uh, there you go to our listeners. That that sounds like a really fun book. May I say one other thing about it that they might find interesting? Yes. When, when friends run into trouble, it's not like a love sex relationship, you know, with a husband or a boyfriend. Uh, in, In fact, there's lots of opportunities for people, for couples to go and work on their relationships. But when it's a friend, people tell you, oh, get over it. It's no big deal. So there isn't a lot of help. There's not a lot of counseling out there for friends. And so people carry these wounded feelings for years and years and years. And when I started telling people about this book, they'll say, they'll take me aside and they'll say, you know what? When I was 16 years old, blah, 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 blah. When was that? 40 years ago. And you're still holding it? Yes, I am. Mm. So, so it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Well, I'm excited to order this book today. I can't wait to read it. Uh, oh. That looks good. I'm sure I'm going to pick up some really good ideas. All right. Well, let's, with yep, the time it's, that it's, we... It's ahead. on Amazon if okay. you want it. Okay, great. Yeah. Sure. And we're gonna, sure. we'll have the chance to talk about that again. And so I'll certainly look it up on Amazon. And All right. Well, let's talk about leadership. That's one of the things that we provide to our listeners as well in Becoming Your Best, the 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. And we see those popping up all the time among excellence and those that really have an outstanding performance. It's such an important influence on our personal lives, relationships, and and really in our organizations. So first of all, let's focus our time on talking about one of your specialties, which is coaching. So how Mm -hmm. does coaching help people be better leaders? So, Steve, I am sure you would agree with me about this. The best leaders are the best listeners. 
Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. The very best they do. They listen and, and they're really tuned in. That helps them. And an excellent coach, and this is what we teach in the Coaching Alliance, really listens and follows the client rather than shoving them around. And so really good leaders bring people in, listen to where they want to be and what will work best for them, and they make sure that there's good overlap in what their missions are and what their uh, employees and staff uh, missions are, and help them to get to where they want to go so that they are working from their strengths. Uh, so it's, a, it's a really a strengths model, don't you think, where the leader is leading from, from their strengths and the, the staff are leading from theirs and delegating things to other people with other strengths to do the parts that don't match. Okay, great. Yeah, and my experience is that exactly, that the really highly successful leaders are, uh, they, they have a great mix where they have the courage to move ahead on the things that are important, the vision of the organization, the things that are critical, but also the consideration to uh, be great listeners and especially to do it with the intent to learn. Uh, and then you're talking about this great application that a coach can bring in. So I, I love that. That's fabulous. And that, that's what they want to do. Now, how about the benefits and values of coaching for a person or a leader? How does that show up? So being a good coach is someone who can brilliantly, creatively, with humor, with compassion, help someone articulate their goals, recognize their strengths, and help them find a path to get there. And as they hit obstacles, then to be very creative in helping them either go around them, through them, under them, uh, deal with them in different kinds of ways. And when you have those those skills and that attitude, then miracles happen. And sometimes you have to be patient. Sometimes it takes longer than others. You, I was uh, talking with a, a woman, a, a business coach today, and I asked her how she became a business coach. And she said, oh, it's just something I always wanted to do. And I said, oh, where did you learn how to do it? She said, oh, I didn't. I said, oh, that's very interesting. So can you tell me how you coach people? And so she points out what they do wrong and says, stop it. Mm. <laughs> that was interesting. That was interesting. So we need to have some guidelines about how to encourage people ra rather than pushing them around, telling them what to do. Well, amen. Yeah, that's for sure. And I, I just got to tell you that I am definitely a believer in coaches. I have two right now, one I've had for a number of years, and it's on a professional level. And it has been worth the investment two or three or four times over. And the other is at a physical level. One of my coaches is a seven times Mr. Universe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How wonderful. And he is helping me learn how to live a much more healthy life. It's been extraordinary. And I don't think I would have been able to do it from my own experience in life. And so they, they help us make a jump. Now, okay, I'll bet you've had a lot of war stories in regards to coaching. 
So <laughs> from a lot of different points of view. So when does a person wake up one day and say to themselves, I need a coach? Where, where does that happen? So what usually happens is, first of all, we don't believe in life coaches or just plain old business coaches. We want to have a coach that has a very specific target that they're working on. So, and the reason for that is I get up in the morning and I think to myself, oh my God, it's about time I got my fitness together. You know, so, so for example, what you were just talking about, I, I really need to build my core and my upper body. I'm a girl. I'm really great. I do lots and lots of uh, leg exercises. I'm very, I've got very strong legs. I can hike mountains. I can, I can do amazing stuff. But boy, my upper body, forget about it. I don't work my upper body. I don't work my core. And, you know, it's about time I did something about that. I need a core body fitness coach. Or somebody wakes up in the morning um, and they're really frustrated because every single night they eat a big bowl of ice cream and they've been watching the pounds go up and up and up. So they need a diet coach or, you know, a, a healthy eating coach or somebody wakes up in the morning and it's been impossible to deal with their ADHD kid. They've got a teenager not doing well in school. They get calls all the time. I need someone to teach me as a parent how to help my ADHD teenager. So the more specific that you can be, the more it matches with the, what's going on when a person wakes up in the morning is all upset about a specific thing. They don't wake up going, oh my God, I need a coach, because they don't even know what that means. They do know that they have a specific concern that they would love to work with. By the way, it is... Uh, motorcycle month in New Hampshire and motorcycles are around here all the time. So if you hear motorcycles in the background, that's why. All right. We'll feel like we're right sitting in the living room with you. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, well, I love that distinction. Thank you for describing that, that people have some options here. So if they feel like they're running into a wall and they really can't make progress and in a very specific need that they have, that coaching is an op option that can help them break through the wall. Is that exactly. what you're saying? Yes. Okay, so how would someone find the right coach? How does that happen? So the first thing that happens, uh, well, there are a lot of different ways. I mean, there are people who look it up on the Internet, you know, um, a relationship improvement coach or uh, learn how to do the best podcast like Steve coach <laughs> or say, so, you know, people will look things up. That's one way. Another way is very often, if you ask people, they, they know of coaches. They, you, you probably never thought to ask them, but they do know of coaches. And just like anything else, getting a referral is a wonderful thing because you know that, that, that you've had, they've had success, so chances are you'll have success. Um, and you know there are places like ICCA where we have big uh, lists of coaches with all kinds of specialties and People will call us lots of times and say, hey, listen, you know, I need someone. Do you, ta do, you do that? And I'll go, oh, let me take a look at the list. And sure enough, here's, you know, here's Ray. She's a creativity coach. You would probably enjoy working with her. So there, there are various ways one might find a coach. All right, perfect. And I have a friend who's the CEO of a very successful regional firm, multi-state regional firm. And 
He's been working with this coach now for probably two or three months, uh, but they can make a difference. Uh, this coach is helping him precisely on the things that you talked about. Listening, what are the strengths, getting feedback from external parties, internal parties, and himself, what are the strengths and weaknesses, how do we create a complementary type environment, and I think it's been helpful. That's great. Okay, That's now, great. if someone wants to be a coach, let's say one of our listeners said, hmm, I've, I've got some unique skills or a perspective to share, uh, and they want to help others, what do you recommend that they do to get started? Well, one of the things they can do is check out our test that we have. It's the, uh, the coaching test. And you go to takethecoachingtest.com. And for just a few dollars, you can go and see. Well, first of all, you can take the test and find out if you have the kinds of things that we think are necessary to be a good coach. And then if that sounds good to you, we have a 10-day trial where you can try out the program we have for $25 and get a sense of it. You get to be involved in the community. You get the first module of 12. You can practice them with everybody. You can come to supervision every day of the week for 10 days. And I think that any program that offers you an opportunity to sit in and be a member uh, you know, for a couple of weeks like that really gives you a sense of what can happen. Uh, so I would recommend something like that. Okay. And, and can a coach really earn a living doing life coaching? So, again, I wouldn't call it life coaching. <laughs> okay. I would call it as a certified professional coach who specializes in learning how to be the coolest podcast person in the world. I really do. I absolutely do. Okay. All right. Now, but, but I want to, there's a caveat there. You know how the way they sell gym memberships, they can sell like thousands of them because they only, they know that only like a hundred show up. Right. The thing about anything, any kind of program, any kind of training that you get is only as good as what you're willing to put into it. So if you become a coach, but you don't, go after it, it, it's obviously not going to happen. I mean, there are people, I was speaking with someone who's an anthropologist and that's how she was trained, but she does web design. So could we force her to be an anthropologist? Absolutely not. Right? Yep. Right. So that, that's the answer there. But if you get the training and you feel passion about it, which people like you and I do, then of course you can do whatever you want to do. The sky's the limit. Well, okay. Now, uh, I just cannot believe how fast time goes. So uh, our time is almost up, but what is your final set of tips today for someone that either wants to find a coach or wants to be a coach? So if you want to be a coach, do as I said and go and, you know, take the coaching test, okay. uh, try out our program, try out some other programs, immerse yourself to see if it's a good fit or not. Uh, some programs are all about just training you techniques, uh, about coaching. One of the things that we do is we also train people how to market themselves because, you know, what good is knowing how to do it if no one's knocking at your door? So it's good to have uh, an opportunity to learn how to put the word out in a way that people will want to come and see you. Um, 
if you want a coach, I, it would, just like anything else, I would interview with you and see how you feel with them. If you have any hesitation of negativity, run as fast as you can. Run away from negativity and run towards someone where you feel affirmed. One of my, one of my favorite coaches, Steve, is my book writing coach who I tripped upon and I instantly had a really good feeling about him. And as I was writing, every single time I spoke with him, he would say, well, can I tell you some really good things about what you said? And I go, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as coaches, I mean, look, you do it naturally. As you're talking to me, you're making me feel wonderful about what I'm sharing, right? Oh, great. Good. And if your coach doesn't do that for you, run for the hills. Yeah, that's great. That's good advice. Uh, well, certainly, one of the things that I've heard also, and I'd be interested in getting your perspective on this just uh, very briefly, uh, and that is is that you ought to be careful about the coach that you get, that you choose someone that's done it. In other oh, words, yeah, sure. Has that been your experience? In other words, they, they have the, they've been there, they've done it, and they've written books, or they've run successful organizations, they've been successful in sales, or a whatever it is, is that's, right. that's a big deal, isn't it? I think so. I really do. Cause you know, the thing, people who, people who, the ones who teach and don't do or something like you need to be able to have done, you need to know that that person has been very successful at doing the thing that they're teaching you to do. Otherwise, how do they know what to tell you to do? Yeah. yeah how can they cool. help you? Well, okay, how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing and where can they go to get more information? So go to takethecoachingtest.com and click on the test and that'll give you a sense of whether or not this seems to work for you and that'll, that'll help you to sign up if you're interested in just doing the trial. And, and that's also, um, you could go to trytheprogram.com if you'd like to try it. And if you're interested in reading my book, you can get it on Amazon, getlostgirlfriend.com forward slash book with a capital B. Well, good. Well, I'm going to order it as soon as we hang up. <laughs> and, well, then you'll have to tell me what you thought. Oh, I'll do it for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Sharon Livingston, for being part of this show today. Uh, you have done a fabulous job. I've appreciated the information and the experience that you shared with others. And Steve, you're a great interviewer. You made me feel very welcome and wanting to tell you things. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, you are making a difference in the world, touching a lot of people's, people's lives for good. And, and to all of our listeners, never for, forget that you, too, can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating interview is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. 
So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.